Welcome, everyone, to District Divided, a D.C. sports podcast, more specifically a Washington Commanders podcast, maybe a D.C. Defenders podcast. We have talked about that a little bit. I am Amit. That is KDOT. Hope you all are doing well. Thank you for joining us today. If you enjoyed today's episode, please like the video, share the video, subscribe to the channel, click the notification bell, etc., etc. Today's topics, we're talking about Dan Snyder. He's got an ESPN article on him. He's got a good old Washington Post article on him. We're going to discuss both of those and maybe some of the finalists now in this sale and what all is going on over there. And then the commanders themselves have made a number of roster moves. So Deron Payne got the non-exclusive franchise tag. And so how does he feel about that? Where do we go from here? We have until July 15th to actually get a long-term deal done with him. Uh, Carson Wentz got cut Bobby McCain got cut, uh, but we also re-signed me Leifler, Rashad Wild Goose. Talk about those moves. Uh, and then we get to the comment mailbag as we always do. And then after the pod, KDOT, how are you doing today? I'm doing well. I, I, although the disappointment that I feel every time that there is an article written about that Snyder that is not that does not have the headline he sell he sold the team is uh, uh it hurts just a little bit. It does. But I, I'm still I'm still recovering off the Lamar Jackson rumors from this morning, so I'm glad. <laughs> Which of course, uh, Kadot's referring to. Pardon my take, having Adam Schefter on, and apparently Schefter had a bit of a bit of a fun time with the boys over there. I'm looking forward to hearing it. I haven't heard it yet, but. Um, Maybe we'll get to that after the pod. But right now, let's talk about Yacht Bitch, the guy we refer to. His name is Dan Snyder. He's currently the owner of the Washington Commanders, full owner of the Washington Commanders. Hopefully not for long, though. But as we had mentioned, a couple articles came out on him. One of them is about a $55 million loan that he took out that Roger Goodell was aware of, but that the other minority owners were not aware of at the time. And apparently, due to the shareholder term agreement, they are supposed to know and they're also supposed to sign off on it. That never happened. So we're going to talk about that. And we are also going to talk about Dan Snyder demanding, not requesting, demanding indemnification. And I will do my best to even define the term for you in case you don't know what it is. I certainly didn't. Uh, Kid, which one do you want to begin with? Uh, let's start with the um, let's start with the 55 million, because I think it all leads up to everything else. Yeah, sure. Sounds good. So Dan Snyder took out a $55 million line of credit with Bank of America. Bank of America sounds familiar to you, and not just because it's your bank or some of your friends' bank or whatever. It's also because that is the securities team that is also looking into the sale of the Washington Commanders. So Dan Snyder already has a relationship with these guys. Basically, he takes out this $55 million line of credit, and people were wondering what it's about. It was apparently a footnote in an April 2020 document that... uh, now Virginia is looking at as they're doing all the financial impropriety stuff. And they're going, what's that about? And apparently there was a good amount of that used for personal use. There was also having the logo on a plane for Dan Snyder. It was also used for food and drink, any number of things it was used on uh, that the minority owners at the time did not know about. They are supposed to know about it. When you look at the document, Roger Goodell signed it apparently. And so 
when you put all these things together, it's just another thing on the running list of Dan Snyder hilarities. Um, K-Dot, what did you make of that story? And my question to you is how did Bank of America approve this when they kept asking over and over again for proof that the minority team owners signed off on this and never got it? Uh, rules are different for billionaires. Um, right. Is That's the, the initial only thing, thing I'm thinking, with. right? Because usually uh, eat the rich. So the, um, the, the, the idea that there's some sort of shenanigans happening from a financial standpoint with rich people staying rich or continue to live whatever lavish lifestyles they want to because they, they, can't th- they can't think of it doing it any other way. Makes sense to me. When you hear about Snyder and all the fucking mansions and this, that, and the other, and you're like, all right, well, I mean, I know you're a billionaire, but almost every enterprise you touch turns to shit. And outside of it turning to shit, you see the numbers for the commanders. I mean, having an NFL team makes you rich regardless just because of revenue. But to, to think that you live this sort of lifestyle in an area that is really hard to live that sort of lifestyle and do it to full extent, you have the nickname with us, Yacht Bitch. Not everybody can just go grab a yacht. Um, it, you can always tell that it just didn't feel like it was everything was above board. And then when we heard the minority orders uh, trying to get out a few years ago, it was, yeah, what, three years ago at this point, right? This, three, four it, years ago now. There was, uh, they were looking in 2019 as well. Right, right. Yeah, four years now. Um, and then when you look at like some of the names, one name that always sticks out as far as the minority orders is Fred Smith. So uh, the dude that was at uh, one of the founders of FedEx, or he at least ran FedEx for a while, um, it's not some like scrub. And you, to me, the, the thing that I kept talking about when it came to Dan Snyder, it came to the league, was that you could tell that there's a cold war of sorts that have been brewing between Snyder and the league for years at this point. I still believe that John Gruden was a casualty in that cold war. Um, it's, it's one of those things where Snyder's basically been telling the league, like, I dare you to do something because I got dirt on all you. And we've heard the report saying that he's told that to people, right? Um, when you see, when you see Goodell signing off on something that he, he, he should have done, the league should have done more due diligence there for, but then you also couple that with the emails that we see from Bruce Allen to Jeff Pash, as far as league counsel, when you see the buddy, buddy sort of relationships that these guys have, you can see that they get away with everything maybe up to not necessarily including murder but holy shit um so there is this sort of standoff that's been happening and the further we go down this road the more that's going to come out to show that they are in bed together snyder as much as he's a piece of shit the league's not fucking peachy the league's not far from fucking perfect the league is fairly fucking evil and if we're looking at that then you're going to say all right if these guys have been here protecting this guy why Nobody looks at Dan Snyder and says that this is somebody that makes the league look good, that makes other owners look good. He's been a thorn in their side. Just from a marketing or PR standpoint, he's been a thorn in their side. Just from a from a financial standpoint, him ruining this franchise and Washington should be one of the beacon franchises in the NFL. Mm-hmm. And yet, time and time again, every opportunity they have to say, fuck this, we're cutting bait and running from him, or fuck this, we're gonna we're gonna throw his ass under the bus and let the media come after him the way they want to. They've protected constantly. Yeah. Yeah. No, very well said. Uh, Fred Smith, by the way, uh, fun fact, his son, Arthur Smith, is the head coach of the Atlanta Falcons right now. And so one of the reasons. Yeah. And so actually it was a very important um, thing that I picked up on, which was that one of the reasons they went through the mediation of just a quick buyout of the minority owners is because 
Fred Smith said, hey, if this holdout continues, this could affect my son's prospects at becoming an NFL head coach over time. So there was that dynamic too, which it's amazing to think about all those different things. Uh, But there was also something interesting. So it's actually as far as 2018. So Fred Smith apparently received an offer to get 10%, his 10% stake sold to a man named, uh, I'm going to butcher the name, but it's Alan Kestenbaum, I believe. And uh, Dan Snyder actually blocked the sale saying that the league would never approve of this guy. Like they just wouldn't let him in at all. Later on, literally a year later, he ends up buying uh, Alan Kestenbaum a minority stake in the Atlanta Falcons. So the league approved. And now the thinking is, okay, um, if this financial misconduct were occurring, if other things were occurring and due diligence occurred, this would pop up in any sort of sale. So then you think, okay, Dan Snyder buys out his minority owners because he needs to make sure information isn't coming out. I don't know that he actually wanted to outside of that because both articles said Dan Snyder cash poor. Okay. Now this is like billionaire poor. It's hilarious calling a billionaire broke, but he has money, but like, it's one of those things where he then needed to take out a $450 million loan that raised the debt ceiling for the team and allowed him to do that. Otherwise, he could not have done that. So you put all these different pieces together, and it's genuinely hilarious, like what all is going on. And yeah, he's not going down without a fight, KDOT. It is truly yeah. unbelievable. That's the thing. Is like As much as Dan Sanders, the guy that's... He was a six, what, 60% owner of the he team was. Yes. compared to the 40%, which means you're only entitled to 60% of the pie, sir. Like, if there's, a, you don't get to use the team and the finances, your own personal piggy bank to go into and do whatever. And the jet thing was just the, he, what he, uh, he charged the team to have the logo on his jet yeah. to have the, to, to have the logo because he said it was a marketing thing. And then the, the minority owners are like, what the fuck are you talking about? Then he took it abroad. Jet. Yeah. <laughs> you never what are you doing it's not it's not like you're you're flying commercial motherfuckers are seeing where no you're flying the racist private world fucking area. what are up. you doing because at the time it was the redskins logo it's like what the fuck what, what are you doing but um yeah it's just it's it's you start realizing that like shit that you see right there is something you see like somebody trying to open up a credit line in a company feels like some small business shit that like ruins a family, right? Like there's mm-hmm. the the uncle or the brother comes in, he opens up the credit line, and now that's his little personal cash thing, and nobody else knows about it, and it tears off family part. We're talking about billions of dollars. We're talking about yeah. a league that's supposed to be on top of things from a financial standpoint. We're talking about Bank of America that should be on top of things from a financial standpoint. And you're talking about minority owners that you can completely understand why they wanted to get the fuck away from this guy. Yeah. Um, because it's like, no, he's not like as much as we see all the things that he's doing. There, the only thing that Snyder could have really hung his hat on in any sort of positive standpoint when it comes from the from its inception of him owning the team was that he's a businessman and yes. as a businessman all right you might not agree with his means his methods this that and the other but he knows how to generate money and you realize that it's not true it's, yeah. it, it's really not true at all i guess snyder communications as far as i can tell because i've done some reading on him it's the one thing that took off outside yeah. of that Everything else has failed around him. So it really just seems to be, it goes to show, 
It can take the one. You win big once, your life can totally change. Because here he is, Mommy, owner Daddy, of the Washington Commanders. Give me Commanders. a loan to, yeah. to put together a magazine that shows off private jets to people. And it's like, okay. Genuinely. Market- genuinely here crazy. Um, but yeah, it it really is a fascinating story done by Don Van Natta Jr. Uh, shout out to him for writing this because it was quite an eye-opening article even now in 2023 you can have your eyes open by situations like this um any other thoughts on the 55 million dollars that his his teammates his minority team owners at the time did not know about it's going to be interesting to see when we have the uh the the is we're waiting whose report are we waiting for is mary joe's mary joe white's yeah and we're going to touch on that in a moment too um, so before I like get too crazy in it, it's going to be interesting to see the league is at a point right now where I don't know where the line to protect Snyder is compared to not with getting mm-hmm. shit on themselves. Um, it was my hope that this might be the house of cards that brings everything down, mm-hmm. including Goodell and everybody in the league that I think has been complicit and what Snyder has been able to get away with for the last yeah. Now, now, the one thing is I don't want to spread any misinformation here. My I'm not sure if the owners signed off on the 55 million loan as well. Uh, they may have. They may not have. That's the part I'm not aware of. What I am aware of is that the minority team owners at the time, the 40 percent, the three of them had no clue that this had happened. Right. They were supposed to know. Right. Yeah. Right, 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 right. Um, but let's. OK, so you you touched on Mary Jo White. That's very important because then we go to the Washington Post article, and this talks about Dan Snyder demanding two things. I know in the intro I said he was demanding indemnification, but he's also demanding that the Mary Jo White investigation does not go public in terms of its findings. Mm -hmm. That's a big deal because the NFL has publicly said, yeah, we are releasing that no matter what. So the fact that this is a, hey, if I sell, and I will sell, under two conditions. And if they're not met, then maybe I don't. That's what is going on right now. So he wants to make sure the Mary Jo White investigation stays under wraps and it ties into the indemnification bit, which is basically saying, hey, if people come after me after I've sold the team, I want financial guarantees that I'm sort of safe, that I'm helped out by the NFL team owners that currently exist, basically. So I get sued for X amount of dollars. This is my understanding. And please, in the comment section, correct me if I'm wrong. This is just yeah. I'm doing my best over here. Um, when, when you get sued after you sell the team and let's say I'm Dan Snyder, I'm Yacht Bitch over here. I go, hey, uh, one of the conditions we agreed on was indemnification for me. I am indemnified, meaning that if I owe $100 million, I'm getting helped out as part of the agreement of my sale to um, Josh Harris or Jeff Bezos, whomever it was. That's separate. I've got my $7 billion from them. Now, I don't want to pay any of that for this $100 million that I owe. I need you guys to help me out with that. It's almost like a buyout with NFL ownership, if that makes sense. Does that make sense, Kata? Yes. And okay. the, I think you explained it pretty well, at least to my understanding as well. Um, and this is where it comes down to this sort of Cold War thing that I'm speaking on, right? Mm-hmm. Is uh, And this is how you can tie like that $55 million that Goodell signed off on that the rest of the owners in the league might not have known anything about, um, which goes into who gets thrown overboard at this particular point in time, right? Mm-hmm. When everything does come to light. Now, what I have not heard... So far, what it felt like to me, it feels like to me, 
is uh, Snyder, the, the idea is that the league, when you hear Goodell and everybody says, trust the process of this happening, is if Snyder leaves, we'll leave everything alone. Yeah. There's no one that has asked Goodell outright yet that I've seen if Snyder sells the team, is the Mary Jo White report still coming out? I haven't heard that yet. I've mm-hmm. heard people make assumptions about it. I've heard, uh, but but it feels like to me that that's the that's the big agreement to me, mm-hmm. is that the 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 idea would be the Snyder goes away, but the indemnification aspect of it is a different ball game. Now you're telling the owners that they got to get their money involved with potentially doing anything to help this guy out that they don't like anyway. And there's a difference between the ownership saying, hey, there's one thing if Goodell maybe gets dragged down into this shit, we pay him for that. We pay him to kind of be the lightning rod. Mm -hmm. But um, we're not coming out of our fucking pockets to give you shit. Fuck you. (laughs) No, we're not. You've ruined this. We're not. No, fuck that. We're not going to do that. Snyder has done... With this, I think Snyder has, has really put the nail in his own coffin. Mm. There was one thing that he could have done by holding the league office hostage in the sense of you don't want all the information to come out that I have because some other heads might roll. Or maybe even getting some dirt on some other owners as far as some maybe conversations. Something probably more along the lines of the Bruce Allen, John Gruden emails than it is anything financially, right? So. Mm-hmm. You got the owners of like, that's one thing to kind of get some dirt on your face that way. There's a whole other thing if you're telling us that there could be a major lawsuit coming out of this and you want us to pop, you want us to pony up money for you? Fuck off. Yeah. But we all knew, we all knew it's Dan Snyder. He's petty. Right. There was no chance he's going quietly. He's going to go kicking and screaming. And, if I, and if I had to guess, KDOT. I think it's one of those things where, okay, you talk about someone being thrown overboard. This would be Dan Snyder selling in this analogy here. So he sells the team. He is off the boat. He's off the yacht, if yes. you will. Um, then the question is, are they allowed to shoot his body once he's overboard? And that could be any number of owners having dirt on him that go, I've hated this guy forever. We have been protecting him forever. Now I'm going to release the dirt. And if I release the dirt, then he's in trouble, potentially legal trouble. And now he owes a lot of money. So him going, I want indemnification then goes, okay, if you guys release all that bullshit on me, let's say, well, I'm not going to pay any of that. That is sort of where my brain, that's where my brain went. I'm going to, I want to use your same analogy or metaphor, whatever you want to call it. Um, I would say yeah, I'm that, not. Yeah, I'm not sure. I'm so bad at that stuff. Go ahead. Yeah, at this particular point, Sam, <laughs> what I'd say is the, the league and Snyder are on a boat and okay. they're headed toward an iceberg called the Mary Jo White report. OK, Snyder has the opportunity to jump overboard and have Jeff Bezos, somebody else take his spot on the boat. But the ocean current is still carrying his ass in that fucking uh, the, into that iceberg. He's not mm-hmm. on the boat, but he's still going to crush into that fucking iceberg. Now, what the league could opt to do is say, we could remove the iceberg if you jump overboard. Just let you know. We could could do that Mm. for you. Okay. We we, we could potentially do that for you. Which it seems like, and there was an anonymous source saying that, hey, it it should happen. Like, we should (laughs) not ever not release the Mary Jo White findings. But it does sound like this is being talked about. Go ahead. It's being talked about because Snyder It's a negotiation. yeah. As Snyder's on the edge of the yacht about to fall overboard, because it's going to happen, right? Mm-hmm. He's saying, hey, 
If the iceberg sues me for any damages, I want all of you guys to back. And the rest of the guys in the boat saying, would you chuck this motherfucker off already? <laughs> like, yeah. Just get rid of him. Like, we're, we're done. No, we're not doing this. There's no negotiation here. You need to leave. And the more that he does that is the more that I think you got the owners will say, who else can go overboard for us not to fucking do this? If there's dirt on Goodell, you've been paid handsomely. You can go overboard, too. You're not fucking this boat up. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and that's that's where I think they're at right now, and it's and it's beautiful to see. Actually, it's it's amazing to see. I mean, I, I want to see more of the owners' heads maybe roll because I think there are probably more than one guy that needs their head to had to go. Um, but it's just it's it's this cold war that's been brewing to now. There's something hot. It's right here. It's at the surface. We all knew there are a lot of things happening, and you hear some of the reports that are out that like um, Jerry Jones is begging Snyder to go quiet. Yeah, and apparently he's brokering some sort of peace agreement. Like, you hear all this stuff. I mean, hey, listen, Succession's coming out later this month. I I would watch something like this, where you just have a bunch of owners that are at each other's throats doing all these little things. Like, it would be entertaining Mm -hmm. to see this as sort of like a drama series, because it's insane. Dan Snyder's the the UPN version of Succession. He's a UPN WB you succession character that's been dropped in the HBO series. Shout out UPN. It took me a few seconds to figure out what you were referencing. And I was like, once you said WB, I was like, oh my God, you're talking about UPN yeah. channel 20? Way yeah, back that, in the uh, day. Yeah. Back in the day. There we go. Deep cut for y'all. It really um, is. I like that. Yeah. No, he's not HBO level. Fuck that. No, he's, he's, not. he's not on the level. He's, he's, you, you see what's happening with the $55 million thing. You're like, you fucking idiot. <laughs> what you think was going to happen? Like, what, what, what's wrong with you? By the what way, I, wrong with you? I still can't tell whether we used an analogy or a metaphor there. I'm going through the differences right now. They're they're <laughs> awfully they're awfully close in my opinion. Maybe, yeah, that maybe I just and, don't get it. Oh, I do. it's one of those things that I think 90 percent of people don't fucking understand. And yet we say I think they use them interchangeably. People do use them interchangeably, but nobody knows it for sure. So nobody calls anybody out on it. Every once in a while, you have somebody that knows enough in a call. It's the same thing with irony. Most people can't give a real good example of irony. Um, mm-hmm. It's the same way you listen to that Alanis Morissette song isn't ironic, and most of it's not ironic. It's like there's, this, there's a lot of shit. I like that... the question. Is it ironic? No. Yeah. She, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, she does. At the end, of, every time she, isn't it ironic? Well, no, Alanis, it's not ironic. Yeah. <laughs> it's like, well, I didn't say it was. I just was asking. I wonder. So if there is a collective understanding amongst the people that, hey, we don't know which one's which. Most of the time, we just sort of guess and we agree that that's the case. I think it therefore puts both in bounds. You can use either one at any time, and that's okay. It puts everything in bounds. Nobody's wrong about anything unless they get called out for being wrong. All right, I think we just figured that part out as well. Man, what a segment. What a segment. Any final thoughts? It's only wrong if somebody says it's wrong. Otherwise, you keep going. I was, oh, I was talking to my girlfriend uh, this, uh, this morning. District this. Divide is about to go down a very dark road. when It's because <laughs> we're not going to so, fact check each other at all. Go ahead. Go ahead. So I was, uh, I was talking to my girlfriend. My mom's from Jamaica, um, which is, I mean, Jamaicans it was a colony of England. So there's a thought process that they may even speak better English than Americans do. But there's some things lost in translation with slang and all kinds of stuff. Sure, sure. You're familiar with pants that most people wear uh, to work called khaki pants. I am. I, up through seventh grade, called them cocky. I do. No, 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 no. Listen, 
my family does too. They're cockies. Cockies. Yeah. Cockies. <laughs> That's, right. Cockies. That's right. So the thing so so like my girlfriend's a cocky like, bastard. Cockies. Thank you. Right. Yes. And yeah, so, I agree. So I'm, t- so I'm telling my girlfriend, I was like, yeah, they're, they're, I called them cocky, and I was like, nobody corrected me. <laughs> I was like, I've been calling them cocky. I got corrected <laughs> by my ex a few times, and I was like, no, it's cockies. It's definitely cockies. Like, it's just okay. You know what? We're vibing right now. We're absolutely <laughs> vibing right now. Let's let's get back to the football though. Uh, <laughs> this is a great segment though. I appreciated it. Um, the Washington Commanders made a series of moves um, of financial relevance, quite a few. So first things first, we saved a whole bunch of money off of the cap by cutting Carson Wentz. The one-year experiment, unfortunately, did not end the way that we would have hoped when we traded Love the third pick. We do. <laughs> K-Dot did believe in I'm, you. Heineke I, energy. He said, first thing, he's, Heineke, Heineke's one of the first comments on the Instagram post. Love you, brother. Yeah. Hey, I mean, listen, everyone, loves, great guy. everyone loves Heineke. Carson is a great guy. It just didn't work out. And again, we, right. we can have the mental stuff. Physically, the tools were all there. Uh, it just didn't work out, unfortunately. So saved a bunch of money over there. Uh, ended up cutting Bobby McCain as well. I think that comes down to Derek Forrest emerging as a really, really good option in the secondary um, and a cheaper option at that, uh, given how young he is. So you put those things together. Then it allows you to put Deron Payne in a situation where you can franchise tag him. So we gave him the non-exclusive franchise tag. Now, what does that mean? Uh, first things first, he makes $18.9 million. It is the average of the top five uh, highest paid players at his position. So $18.9 million is what he's slated to make next year. It is just a one-year deal, though. NFL players, given how dangerous the sport is, want guaranteed money, much, much more than one year's worth of guaranteed money. So what happens? Well, with the non-exclusive franchise tag, he is allowed to talk to other teams. And if one of them makes a good enough offer, the commanders then get the opportunity to match that deal. Let's say it was four years, $80 million from the Baltimore Ravens. Let's say um, this is without me getting into who needs what or whatever. Baltimore up the road, four years, 80 million. They want Deron Payne. We can either match it. And then we signed Deron Payne to a four year, $80 million deal, or we don't match it. And we get two first round picks from the Baltimore Ravens for that reason. And given I've done a little bit of research on the draft. Defensive tackle seems like it's a pretty solid position this year and seems to continue to be a pretty solid position this year. A non-exclusive franchise tag, I don't think you're going to see any team negotiate because they won't want to give up two first-round picks and a big contract to a player when they can just draft one for a heck of a lot lower price, you know, and be able to say, this is our way of doing things. You don't know the Washington way at all. You are only our player. So that's the deal with Deron Payne right now. KDOT, what did you make of the franchise tag? Do you see a long-term deal getting done? Do you want a long-term deal to get done with Deron Payne? I think this is the perfect move. It's the, it's the absolute best move. You get to, Deron gets to gauge what his, what his value is to mm-hmm. a certain degree. Um, and we still get more time to negotiate and see what's happening with what. I still think that there are a bunch of other contracts that need to be renegotiated or restructured. I'd be looking to restructure Jonathan Allen contract. I'd be looking to restructure uh, Charles Leno's contract. I'd be looking to restructure Curtis Samuel's contract. All those contract restructurings, knowing Washington has typically done a pretty good job of restructuring deals when we want to. Um, and if that's the case this offseason, I think that that leaves you a lot more room to kind of play around with. But also the idea that, hey, I don't think anybody – look, the defensive line is clearly the best – position group on the team it's our biggest strength 
right? Yes. Um, and I think that, that that strength is something really key if you look around the rest of the league. The idea of being able to generate pressure on quarterbacks with your front four in this league to, to, to make a Super Bowl run or anything else is huge. It's huge. It's why mm-hmm. most people pick fucking Philadelphia to win the Super Bowl uh, a few weeks ago was because of what the pass rush was doing. And if you look at the talent that's on that defensive line, it's like, holy shit, that could be really, really special. And right. regardless of who you are as a team, you need something special. If yes. it's not the quarterback, if it's not, you need a special position group to really take it to the next level. So it gives us an opportunity to lock that down. But if we don't, I don't think anybody here would laugh off two first round picks when they already drafted Mathis last year. Yeah. Okay. So th- it, it's one of those things where it's like everybody I think is on the same page was like, we'd want Deron back, but we don't want to pay out the wazoo to do it. And if we don't, for some reason, because there's legitimately another offer there on the table that we don't have to overpay for because we see what the offer is. Mm-hmm. Okay, let's go. Yeah, I think that's well, I think that's very well said, Kate. And it's one of those. And a lot of people would have forgotten that we drafted Fedorian Mathis because he got hurt in the very first game. And that was it for his season. So you always forget that. Oh, by the way, we had a second round pick and he was I mean, if you're just looking at it logically, odds are he was going to replace Deron Payne. Instead, Deron Payne gets the whole season to himself, basically, where he's rotating less than he would have with Fedarian Mathis in there ends up having a career year 11 and a half sacks and he was beating people like a drum all season we kept talking about how good he was this whole season he was spectacular uh that being said if a team is going to offer him an enormous contract and we get two first round picks like you said that is a win-win situation the team can decide whether he's worth that money and we choose to keep him which I don't think people would be upset about or if you get two first round picks for a guy where you can in this type of defensive tackle class, use one of them if you really wanted to. If you yep. didn't think Fidari Mathis is going to be the same after this injury on a defensive tackle, you may have just found a cheaper alternative. Not nearly as good as Deron Payne right now. Let's be clear about that. But someone that you can mold and is cheaper for the next three, four years. It's just the way the finances are working out. I'm glad Deron Payne's going to be playing on this team next season. I don't see any team going out there and going, okay, he's going to be worth the two first-round picks and this enormous contract. Not at the defensive tackle position, despite how important it is. You could see it at the quarterback position, for example, if if the Ravens did a non-exclusive franchise tag with Lamar Jackson. Now, that would be interesting. Right. The, the thing is, I, look, look across the league. How many teams can you name all four starters on a defensive line? It's rare. And the idea that the, the idea that we have that it makes us it makes the strength, but it is it's not a necessity. But we mm-hmm. all love to have it be something that's like our beacon of like, holy shit, this is cool to have. But look, if anybody's willing to pay on the contract, I'm completely okay with walking away from it. Mm-hmm. If it's gonna be something that's gonna cost us a tremendous amount of money, because it is one of those things that once again, it's awesome to have. It does, I think, put you one step close to being a contender. But there are other ways to build a team in which you can make up the loss for one guy if you have three other studs and a position in which you can rotate guys in and out of to make up some of that deficit by having fresh bodies. If you have a first-round draft pick on the defensive line and a Mathis, plus the other role players that we have that have been fairly solid when they're in there and have Mm -hmm. gained more, you're fine. You're fine. You're perfectly fine. So that's – yeah, it's just awesome to have the options. So I'm going to go ahead and read just top five, six, seven uh, defensive tackle contracts right now because 
I don't know what exactly Deron Payne and his agent would be looking for here, but this is what I would imagine would be somewhat comparable. We'll start with Aaron Donald and I'll say this is not comparable. That was a three year $95 million deal. I don't think, I don't think he's Are getting that. John Allen, all of football. He, right. And John Allen, teammate of Deron Payne's and one of the team captains for your 72 million. Okay. On our you can't do that. Uh, he might he might get a little bit more just given how the cap is increasing and stuff. That's where it always gets interesting. Yeah, uh, but it would be it would be close, right? Yeah. Um, DeForest Buckner four years eighty four. Chris Jones four years eighty. Vita Vea four years seventy one. Kenny Clark four years seventy. Cam Hayward four years sixty five and point six. Uh, Grady Jarrett three years fifty. Quinton Williams four years thirty two. So that is that's top ten. Okay, so. I would expect if we were to re-sign Deron Payne long-term, it would look very, very similar to Jonathan Allen's. If anything, it would be a little bit more, to be honest. I think that's what we would see. Uh, would you... You can also just choose not to answer this and wait for more moves. Um, more like, you know, roster moves. Would you want to pay Deron Payne? Let's say four years 72 were on the table and he were cool with that. How would you feel about that? I'd be okay with it, but if someone mm-hmm. was willing to pay around the same ballpark... And we get two first-rounders? I'd, I'd pull the trigger. You'd pull the trigger, as in you would... I'd get the two first-round picks. You'd round get round. the two first-round picks. Okay. Yeah. I'm... <clears throat> I, I find myself in agreement with you. That being said, the chemistry between Jonathan Allen and Deron Payne is magnificent. Um, dating back to their college days. So that's something I'm considering as well. I think I think four years, 72, if he's cool with that, I would be on the fence about even taking the two first-round picks. Maybe that's a bit crazy. Uh, but I, I understand it. I, yeah, I would get, I'd be on I, the fence because I think, I, I think I, he's fabulous. I'm leaning one way on the fence compared to the other because I do think while it is awesome to have that special unit, mm-hmm. you can, you you can could, skin the cat a different way. And, and we will, you know, presumably have new ownership and stuff like that, depending on how all this stuff shakes out. Will they even vote Dan Snyder out? Who knows? It's it's all unprecedented right now. Um, any final Dan thoughts on Deron Payne? On Real quick, Milo Eifler and Rashad Wild Goose got one-year contract extensions, so they will be on the team next year, or at the very least through camp next year. Um, any final thoughts on the roster moves made by the commanders, or any final thoughts on Deron Payne specifically, Carson Wentz specifically? Floor is yours. I I hope Carson lands somewhere and is okay with playing the backup role. I really do. I I wish more than anything he has his Nick Foles moment sometime in his future, which would mm-hmm. be just dope to see. That would be super cool. justice in a way. Um, I, the Duran Payne. I like the way that we're going as far as this so far. I mean, it's really early in the off season. The season just ended, but I am not opposed to anything that has happened so far. Mm-hmm. Um. I think the more and more that I'm hearing, I think they're in love with some of the guys on the roster a little bit more than I might be, but okay. um, I'd like to see how it all shakes out. Okay. Fair enough. Fair enough. Um, let's jump over to the comment mailbag uh, where we have two comments for our last episode, which is about Eric Bianami's intro press conference, our reaction to it. Uh, we got Tony. Shout out Eric. Tony. One of the original OGs. Fellas, I still tune into your great work every week. Love listening to you guys. It's still my favorite show. Shout out, Tony. Appreciate you. Thoughts on free agency and the draft. We need cornerback, O-line, linebacker, and potentially tight end. Armani Rogers is an unknown. Tony, we always appreciate you, man. Thank you so much for commenting. Um, I 
don't have any thoughts yet. I was so focused on the Dan Snyder stuff and learning what the heck indemnification was uh, that I didn't get the chance to look at all the potential free agents and how that intertwines with the draft and where the strong positions are. So right now, I don't know. By next week, I will know because next week's episode is going to be all about these roster moves that we're going to make. Dot, what about you? I teased last week that there's one guy that I'm obsessed with in the draft. I will reveal it now. Well, I'll reveal it in a moment. Top free. I'm I'm looking at free agency. I'm looking at everything. I'd like to see a lot of moves. I want some money spent this offseason. I want money spent this offseason. Because, mm-hmm. um, fuck it. You cut them if need be. We're going. The Eric B. Enemy hire means we're going all in. So okay. let's go all in. Um, except don't do anything stupid at quarterback. I mean, we haven't even talked to okay, go all in, except don't do right. anything stupid. Okay. Got it. Yeah, don't yeah. do stupid shit. So like we haven't, but go we all haven't in. right. Like we, right. But we haven't like, we didn't talk to Derek Carr. That's an improvement. Yeah. We haven't had, a, so. we haven't had any discussion, right? So cool. There's no, we're not retreading some, somebody, right? We're Correct. Sam Howell's the guy, unless something else opens up like Lamar Jackson. Um, Mike Gusecki, tight end for Miami is a guy that I have squarely pegged is a dude that I really, 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 really want on this team. He's okay. basically a receiver. He's not a good blocker. This is fine. This is why he's kind of been phased out of the uh, offense when Mike McDaniel's coming there. They need some like Kittle excels at blocking and also receiving. They got to have some. So he's like the odd man out. Eric okay. B and seeing what he did with Travis Kelsey. I love the idea there. Mm-hmm. There's another guy in the draft. Michael fucking Mar is Ma- mayor mayor mayor. Yeah. yeah. I hate Notre Dame with fire rage. If there's a list of teams that I hate, Notre Dame's in the top five. I fucking despise them. And yet I'm in love. <laughs> I'm in love with him and his butt chin and everything that he's got going. I think he's an absolute stud. Okay. And I don't, it looks as though from what I'm hearing, they want to bring back Logan Thomas. I'm not completely on board with that, but maybe he just had an off season. Um, Because he's shown flashes of being really, really dope. I just didn't like anything I saw from this last season. Um, So, yeah, if it was up to me, I want both. Okay. To be completely honest. Um, So the the Twitter scouts, I'm going to throw out one more name uh, in the draft. And this is the Twitter scouts, okay, that I've seen. Uh, I believe his name is Dalton Kincaid. Can say it, you know, um, apparently people are like, he looks like Travis Kelsey. First off, let me also just say this. Whenever you hear these comparisons, I also saw there was some guy that said this is Raheem Mostert with more speed. Please, (laughs) please take all when you read this, realize that they're trying to generate clicks, that they're trying to get likes and retweets and stuff like that. And you are going to hear some insane shit. A college player is not immediately Raheem Mostert with more speed. Raheem Mostert is arguably the fastest or top five fastest player in the NFL. So when you read these things, this guy is going to be Travis Kelsey. Maybe stop to think that the mental side of things matters a hell of a lot too. Okay. When you look at Zach Wilson and all the stuff he can do with his arm in New York, Look at him mentally. He's a child. There's a reason that they may be moving on from him. So when you read, he can do it all. Take a step back. These are kids. Relax. Okay. I just wanted to put that out there. Go um, I'm just uh, Michael Maher. Mm-hmm. That being said, totally co no. <laughs> yeah, Look, when you see him run, he feels he looks like Chris Cooley. He's bigger than Chris Cooley, but he looks like Chris Cooley. Faster, stronger, right, right. faster, stronger. Chris Cooley. He casts funnier. the ball. 
Yeah, he's what a personality. Awesome. He's already he's already a barstool guy. Like, I already I, I want I, I want him. I want him already. How I, could you I, not I like this guy? <laughs> uh, but the idea of both of them on the team it give me some like flashes of Chris Cooley, Logan Paulson sort of era sort of thing. Like yeah. I I I love. I'd love the idea of giving Eric Bieniemy and Sam Howell as many weapons as humanly possible to get the offense to move. Okay, hey, fair enough. Um, I would love to see Bieniemy in this offense succeed as well because I do feel the defense had a pretty good year last year. It was nice to see Jamin Davis make a big step up also mm-hmm. in year two uh, when he had a lot of doubters. So when you start getting these levels correct on defense getting the offense to hum at the same time. This could be great. Um, and then Vindo, shout out Vindo, officially an OG. Vindo. Appreciate you, Vindo. Great video, guys. Hope we can find a way to get Terry the ball downfield more. I believe we will, Vindo. Appreciate that. This is going to be the best receiver that Eric Bietemi's worked with since Tyree Kill. Um, and Terry does it all. I mean, he runs across the middle. He can run the deep route. He'll catch these quick screens and then break tackles. He does it I could definitely see us getting the ball to Terry downfield more. And if you just go off of the sample size of two deep throws that Sam Howell made to Terry, plenty of reason to think so. What do you think, K Dot? I think it's I think Terry the thing to me is that it's the best wide receiving core Eric Bienemy has ever had. Overall, yes. Outside of if we're not counting Travis Kelsey. Um Yeah, yeah. Right, that's the only that's the only like wild card. We right? we will but, call um, Travis Kelsey what he is, which is listed as a tight end officially. So Go ahead, continue but with I think your point. The, the highest upside is Jahan Dotson. I think that to me, I think they're going to move him around that offense quite a bit. I think he ends up being more your Tyreek Hill type um, deep threat than Terry because I do think what they're going to do is what we've been begging them to do with Terry, which is give him the ball all over the fucking field and let him use his strength and playmaking ability to make things happen. I just look, if we're going to be a more vertical offense or at least a more pass-heavy offense, um, it's going to be fun. It's going to be a lot of fun. And Jahan Dotson, by the way, I thought had a really, really good year overall. He missed a handful of games, but he still ended up with what? Seven touchdowns, eight touchdowns, something like that. Like he was, he was very good for being a rookie. Jahan is a stud. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, And if you want to see how high we were on him, check out our draft episode. Once we got him, we were both pretty giddy about it. So anyway, that is, um, yeah, that's Jahan. That's Terry. This is District Divided, a DC sports podcast. Thank you guys so much for listening to us. Uh, really appreciate you guys, as always, and the OGs like Vindo and Tony over there. Um, if you enjoyed today's episode, please like it. Please subscribe. Please share it with friends. Please comment, as you always do. We love reading those and interacting with them. Um, and next week's episode is going to be about free agency, about the draft, who all we want. We're going to throw out more names. We're going to Go to bat for people you maybe have never heard of and say, this is the missing piece for this team. We're going to do it all. But until then, we'll see you guys next week after the pod begins right now. Uh, do you, are we bumped up against your hard stop. We are. So we'll take three, four minutes to do. But you okay. can't have an episode without after the pod. No, that I, just I, feels I, 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 I just I didn't weird. look at the clock until just now. And I'm like, oh, well, that's what happens when you're having fun. That's right. It's just that's one fair. of those things. It's just one of those things. Um, I got to pull down some more college basketball numbers. I'm starting to, I'm starting to really enjoy the betting on these, uh, kids. You know, I started off five for five on the parlays and then just assumed as I do, I'm a genius. I figured it out. I've cracked the code. This could be passive income for quite some time. Missed the next three parlays. 
then I'm like, everything sucks. I don't know what I'm doing. It's the kid's fault. It's not me. It's the kids. Um, <laughs> and then I hit one again yesterday, and here we are. Here we are, KDOT. Uh, to me, the passive income piece, Ab, is if you have a large enough nut to put up, to, to not worry about losses as much as most people, then you, yeah. could, you could turn it into somewhat of a passive income sort of situation if you're dealing with higher levels than other people are dealing with. The level that I'm with is I'm going to experience pain as I am right now the last few days. Mm-hmm. And occasionally I'll get enough money that I can go buy like a PlayStation. <laughs> like that's, that's that, pretty that's, nice. That's it. That's all. So like every, so uh, what uh, a few, that's on the pod, like a few weeks ago, you went to a housewarming party for it, but uh, Chris. Yes. And I wanted to go, but I had a tire issue. Yes. Tire issue was a rim issue. Mm-hmm. I had to get the rim repaired. I paid for the rim with my winnings off of betting, which was nice. It was like, huh, I got to dip into the budget to do this. Here's the, take that, just throw that right. I would say we should be sponsored by, you know, some sort of sports betting company. But oh, right. Yeah. Flashlight. <laughs> I forgot about that. Um, but I would say DC government's sort of blocking it all, right? Unless you're in this geofenced area for MGM, for example, or FanDuel, you're at Audi. So we could do Gambit DC, but they're losing money. They might be the only sports book losing money. Yeah, I mean, it's just one of those things where they wouldn't even have the money to sponsor us, I don't think. DC's sport gambling thing. I don't know what the fuck you guys are doing down there. <laughs> like, it's Figure just, it out. So, like, I... Figure I, it out. I was over at my girlfriend's place uh, what, early February, and I was staying... I, was I don't know why you phone. said that to me. Like, I was fact-checking you there, but... No, yeah, no, sure. I was thinking internally. Sorry. <laughs> okay. You were, like, really fat. I was like, correct. Yeah, I was, thinking, I was saying about it. No, because actually, it was January. So okay. the... Uh, <laughs> Yeah, because NFL playoffs was in full swing. And uh, where she lives is very close. So it's like she's over in the Palisades area, Washington, D.C., everybody knows. Mm -hmm. But nobody really knows. But I'm explaining. If you do know, okay. If you know, you know. If you know, you know. I have a choice. When I'm there, if I'm there at any point in time and there's a game coming up, I'm always looking at my watch and I'm like, yeah, I got to either go across the river or up to. Bethesda. <laughs> so I hop in the car. I'd be like, oh, I'll be back. And what I figured out is there's a safe way right across the border on Sangamore. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and I sit in the parking lot for like a half hour, 45 minutes, get on the bet straight, and I come back to the house. <laughs> I was like, yeah, I just had to, had to get some stuff. Yeah, get some stuff no, no, dude, that, that shit is so real because I'm two blocks away from what I call the bet zone. Um, Renal knows it as the bet zone as well. Uh, and so I'll take my dog for a walk. And he knows at this point, if we go past the dog park briefly, he's like, oh, dad's got to make a bet real quick. And then we go to the dog park after because he was a good boy. And, you know, it's just one of those things where it's just he knows he's like, all right, we're going to stop here. Dad's going to get on his phone. Dad's going to place this bet. He's been looking at the numbers today. He's going to get me. Hey, listen, this passive income, he believes in it. He's going to get me a nice juicy steak after this. So I'm cool with it. And uh, he's going to get himself something nice as well. So, you know, gambling, it's its honestly a bit too much fun. I'm starting to get a bit worried here. Oh, yeah. you. Here's the thing. The moment that they said... Because right now it's low stakes. Right now I'm not betting much. But I could see... I see how they do it. I put myself in trouble one night. I, I shouldn't admit this, but I put myself in a little bit of trouble one night. Okay. But I made it back. That's <laughs> <laughs> what one does. <laughs> it was a, I, there was one night I was like, I'm feeling this. Fuck it, let's go. And I was uh-huh. like, ooh, ooh, no, 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 no. So it's like, yeah, 
Yeah, I can't. Uh, yeah, my girlfriend doesn't listen to me, so who gives a shit? But it's like, you know, it, so like that's we're all part of because we're part of a big uh, what WhatsApp group for the fantasy football guys. Mm-hmm. And uh, one of the guys on there, Derek, asked, "Yo, what amounts are you betting?" And I'm like, "I will never post my dollar amounts." Yeah, you can't do that. I will never post my dollar amounts. Nobody needs to know what my dollar amounts are. Nobody needs to know what my unit size is as far as what it is I look to play and play not. Because here's the thing: if you were betting on games or in anything, with your smartphone, you are already a gambling addict. It's whether or not you've come to terms with it or not. You're already on the road. It's done. It's a done deal. So I I think yesterday was probably my first taste of it because I'd taken a few days off, and I was honestly enjoying. I was like, you know, like, just enjoying the pleasant. Hey, this coffee tastes nice, for example. This food tastes good. That was a nice walk with the dog. And then yesterday while I was walking, I was like, I just happened to realize I was in the bet zone. And I was like, oh, well, that's interesting. I can just yeah, well, let me look. I haven't been doing it long enough. And the, and the first thing, I, I remembered some college basketball numbers, and I was like, I trust Houston. I trust UCLA. I like I like the Mavs. I like Luka. I like Kyrie. They're cool. They'll, they'll pull it together. And I hit. I would argue me hitting was worse than me missing. Because now I'm going to maybe make that same loop subconsciously and be like, oh, look where I find myself. This is how they do it. The psychology. Maybe we'll do an episode you're of the psychology 20, of sports betting. It's like being a 21-year-old alcoholic. When you're oh, 21 and you're an alcoholic, you go out, you get drunk, you get shit-faced, you do whatever, and you might make some stupid decisions. As long as you make it home safe that night, the next morning's not that bad because you're still young. The hangover doesn't suck as much, right? Yeah, it's so like a couple they, hours and you're good. A couple hours, you're fine. Then you might – Then here's the thing. You do that enough, you're like, all right, the morning kind of sucks. Going to work with the hangover pretty much sucks. Then you may take a few weeks off, and you're like, wow, man, I was able to get stuff done in the morning. I was more productive. I was this, that, and the other, right? Oh, well, maybe I'll space these out a little bit. But then you have so much fun fucking drinking, and you, you get reminded about – but as you go on, you start realizing, huh, I'm drinking a little bit more than I used to because it doesn't hit the same way it did. Then you're, mm-hmm. you're 25, 26, and you're like, oh, those hangovers, they really start to hurt. Uh, that is an interesting – to bring it back full circle, to me, an analogy – that's what I'm going to say. Yeah, it's being Amit going to Clarendon at two o'clock. In the okay, morning, once again, wet. no, that's not. No, you're not pushing that because that's not true. We're going to go ahead and fact check that. Don't do that. <laughs> that's not that's what, what you end about. up being. That's what you're oh, sport, is a sports gambling. You are Amit at two o'clock in the morning deciding he's going to go to Clarendon. He is dick wet and to get and to get shit face. That's what's happening. No, you're you're too old. Not- I know I'm not doing that. I'm not, I'm not. And before you know it, you'll be Ahmed at 42 doing the shit. And it'd be more like a heroin thing. Okay. I need my fish. You know what? You're right. There is a hard stop here. We got to go. Cause none of this is true. And if this is all we're doing it after the pod, that is disgraceful Just behavior. Embrace who you are. It's okay. No shame, brother. No shame. We're here to help you. Everybody in the comment section, we are here to help. This is Absolute character assassination. I have been in the whole week. I haven't done anything. I haven't done anything. And I'm not doing anything. Well, I am. Okay. So I am, but I'm not going to Clarendon. I'm not going to Clarendon. We're going to stop. All right. We'll see you guys. In DC, we're just hoping that you listen.